Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, July 7th. I'm Wayne Pratt. There are more than 30,000 people in Illinois prisons, but only 950 have been tested for COVID-19. About 30% of those tests come back positive. That indicates the virus is on the rise in state prisons. The key is to get as many tests as we can in place, to move outside of just testing people who are symptomatic, people who are asymptomatic. We'll get at something closer to a truer rate. We will examine the COVID-19 flare-up in Illinois prisons and what the state needs to do about it in just a few minutes. St. Louis area schools are planning to release their guidelines this week for reopening in the fall. Mayor Lida Krusen says students at city schools will be required to wear masks in school buildings and on buses. She says schools will also be required to have protocols in place in case students or staff become infected. Krusen says city schools will also have social distancing requirements and temperature checks this fall. St. Louis County schools are expected to release their own reopening plans this month. County Executive Sam Page says parents should expect social distancing guidelines and mask protocols similar to those already in effect throughout the county. Many businesses have been using federal loans from the U.S. Treasury to help pay employees during the pandemic. The largest loans issued in Missouri include building companies and a Christian ministry. St. Louis Public Radio's Kay Petron reports. Almost 100,000 Missouri businesses took federal loans through the Paycheck Protection Program to help cover costs during the pandemic. Nationwide, the average loan was close to $100,000. A few dozen companies in the St. Louis area received loans between $5 million and $10 million, the highest bracket. For-profit construction and manufacturing companies, along with healthcare entities, took some of the largest multi-million dollar loans in the region. Some nonprofit organizations also received loans larger than $2 million. Those include Joyce Meyer Ministries, Missouri Botanical Garden, and St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. Private high schools Westminster Christian Academy and St. Louis University High School also received more than $2 million. I'm Kay Petron, St. Louis Public Radio. A university city educator running for St. Louis County Executive says businesses were allowed to reopen too soon during the pandemic. The county began to allow those businesses to open once again in the middle of May, several weeks after the state stay-at-home order was relaxed. St. Louis County had more cases and more deaths than anywhere else in the state. But Jamie Tolliver, one of four Democratic candidates for St. Louis County Executive, says she would have waited before easing COVID-19 restrictions. She says doing so put workers in a tough spot. It makes it so that people are now like, okay, do I go to work? Or do I or do I go and file for unemployment because I can't it's one thing when you can't go to work because work is not open. It's, it's something completely different when you have to go to work. You can listen to all four Democratic candidates on the Politically Speaking podcast throughout the week at stlpublicradio.org. Missouri Governor Mike Parson has signed a crime bill passed by the legislature in May. Parson says it will allow law enforcement to be tough on violent crime. St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll reports. The measure creates the offense of vehicle hijacking. 
stiffens penalties for armed criminal action and unlawful possession of a gun, and it also allows someone to be charged in a conspiracy to commit a crime. Parson says this is just the first step in properly equipping law enforcement. This legislation is a large step towards safety and justice for our communities. However, there is a lot more to be done. Critics of the measure say it is a wish list for law enforcement and will do little to address crime. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll, St. Louis Public Radio. Protest organizers say officers used excessively violent tactics Sunday night during a demonstration outside the Florissant Police Department. Police wearing riot gear hit protesters with batons and used pepper spray. Cory Bush is a Democrat running for Missouri's 1st Congressional District and helped plan the protest. She says police have exaggerated claims that demonstrators caused property damage and threw water bottles at officers. This is not how you should be treating people that are in this community, that pay taxes, that live here. We are not terrorists. We are the community. Protests near the department in Florissant have been going on for nearly a month. Hundreds of inmates and staff members in Illinois prisons have contracted COVID-19. At least 13 have died. Illinois Newsroom reports the State Department of Corrections has only conducted about 950 tests out of more than 30,000 people in state prisons. The University of Illinois' Institute for Government and Public Affairs has published a report encouraging the prison system to expand testing. Reporter Lee Gaines spoke with two authors of that report, Sage Kim and Robin Fretwell-Wilson, about why testing is so important. I mean, I think that testing is fundamental to mitigating outbreak and spread because we have to know who has uh, COVID-19, right? And then you can actually follow with, you know, uh, isolating and, and, you know, moving these people from the general prison population. So one thing off the bat we actually discuss in our uh, report is that when prisons in other states uh, started actually testing widespread tests and also, you know, antibody tests that they were uh, implementing, that has been really useful tool to, to figure out wh- where, where we are and, 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 and as actually come up with interventions to, to uh, deal with it. So I think testing is one big issue that we can actually, you know, make it better now that we, you know, as, as, as a whole state have a better testing capacity. Do we have any idea why so few COVID-19 tests have been conducted inside state prisons, especially now when the general population of Illinois seems to have fairly easy access to testing? We kind of um, are trying to look inside of a what's a, a difficult problem from the outside. The key is to get as many tests as we can in place to move outside of just testing people who are symptomatic to people who are asymptomatic. We'll get at something closer to a truer rate of what the actual, you know, concern inside of the population um, inside the prison is. But we also recognize in the report that there's scarcity. Um, and it's, it's incredible to think about how far we've come from the beginning of of COVID-19, the beginning of outbreaks and congregate care, to being armed with, you know, some tests to be able to 
to tamp down um, outbreaks as they're, as they're happening. You can see East Moline is in the middle of an outbreak and lots of our resources need to be thrown that way, obviously. I'm wondering how can the spread of the virus within jails and prisons affect an outside community? Prisons are not isolated from surrounding communities. Inmates coming out of prison all the time and also staff coming in every day to serve uh, the prison population. So I think uh, there is this very porous relationship between the Illinois Department of Corrections and then the surrounding communities. It's both spilling over outbreak inside going out to the community, but also, you know, surrounding communities, uh, you know, infection and how well uh, those are contained also affect what would happen inside prisons. I think we have a tremendous amount that we can learn from them. You know, um, one of the things that uh, we note in the report in Cook County Jail is how many people have recovered. I think one of the things that's, that we, we have to be sure to do is distill from people's experiences as they're happening what they are doing that can be constructive for all of us. So I think we have a vested interest in in understanding what's happening with the prison population, with understanding what's happening with the prison staff, right? Because that porous border that Sage talked about, that's people going in and out of the jail. That's the staff. That was University of Illinois Institute for Government and Public Affairs Director Robin Fretwell-Wilson. We also heard from University of Illinois professor Sage Kim speaking with reporter Lee Gaines about the impact of COVID-19 on the state's prison and jail populations. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.